in Jackson, Mississippi, here's the past month summed up. It's like playing Russian roulette that you don't know if you're going to wake up with water. You don't know if you got water. You don't know what condition the water is in. Now, in response to the chaos, the city's website has been updating residents. Yesterday, the most recent update, the water pressure is back, but the tap water is still not safe to drink unless it is boiled first. It's a horrible situation in the entire city of Jackson, you know, just, not just one individual. And I blame a, I blame the, the city council, the governor, and the mayor because they're all in confusion and no one seemed to know how to solve the problem. Coming up on Today Explained, how Jackson, Mississippi became ground zero, for today anyway, of our national infrastructure crisis. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It's Today Explained. I'm Noelle King. Kobe Vance, reporter with Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Let's go back to the beginning. How did this all start? Back about two weeks ago, we saw a a lot of rain come through the southeastern United States. And here in Mississippi, a lot of that flooded into the Pearl River upstream. The governor of Mississippi is now declaring a state of emergency after days of heavy rainfall in the central part of the state. The Jackson area saw a lot of flooding. And with that flooding came a lot of extra chemicals in the water into Jackson's water plant. That meant they had to also raise the amount of treatment processes they were doing on those highly contaminated waters. The city of Jackson has a very limited staff. They have been understaffed at this water treatment plant for years and years now. Well, the EPA has made it clear that a staffing shortage is amplifying the city of Jackson's continued water issues. And their equipment is exceptionally outdated. And so because of those factors, they just couldn't meet the demands of taking in water, processing it, and then putting it out into the system to maintain that pressure. So they had to decrease their water production in the short term, which couldn't keep up with the demand that Jackson residents needed. And when that happened, we saw water pressure across the city drop as the storage tanks that are used began to drain. At her Fondren home, water pressure is still too low to take a shower or wash clothes. But Hall says she tried to fill up her tub to have water to flush her toilet and wash dishes with. If a city's water pressure is not adequate, 
The water sits in the pipes at a lower rate and it can't flow as fast. You might have heard the phrase, moss can't grow on a rolling stone. Well, it kind of applies to whenever water can't flow quickly enough to get to the storage tanks or it sits stagnant in some pipes, then bacteria has a chance to produce faster and faster. And when that happens, it can be dangerous for residents to drink the water. And the city of Jackson has been plagued by that for years. It came out of the faucet and it was thick and it was a different color. I couldn't even give it to my dog. And that's something that Jacksonians have just come to live with. It's just that in this case, we've seen a bigger problem, which is they don't have water pressure at all. Why has this been going on for so long? This is the capital city. Jackson obviously has a history of racism, so that leads into something called white flight. When a lot of African-Americans moved into the city of Jackson, we began to see a lot of white people that held a majority of the capital. They left the city. Federally mandated school desegregation had prompted waves of white residents to abandon the city. Between 1970 and 1990, Jackson went from being 60% white to being nearly 60% black. They didn't move far away. These people are just on the very edge of the county lines. So these people can still benefit from having the things that are in Jackson, but they don't live there themselves. And their personal interest in the city has waned over time. Many look at the city as a stain on the state rather than something that they're proud of as a state capital. And so over a period of time, the city of Jackson lost their tax base. When that happens, they can't keep doing the same infrastructure updates that they had been doing in the past. So over a period of decades, the city has failed to be able to produce adequate maintenance on their systems. They haven't been able to replace pipes in their grounds across the city. And so these infrastructure failings are something that have compounded over years and years. Who has been most directly affected by this? This is something that is heavily affecting those who live in South and West Jackson. Those residents live miles away from the water treatment plants. And so there is so much distance that has to be covered. They are almost always under a boil water notice. And oftentimes it's easier to count the weeks that they're not on a boil notice than they are. Somewhere somebody has dropped the ball. And, and so the city council or the mayor or whoever, the governor, whatever, needs to get together and get this done. The demographics of Jackson is 80 percent black and a lot of Jackson residents are also low income. And with that, it becomes a system that is increasingly putting a large tax burden on not just African-Americans, but people who have very low incomes and live far below the poverty rate. The city knows it's in the middle of a crisis. The state knows it's in the middle of the crisis. Are those two entities who presumably should have some of the same goals in mind, are they working together at this point? How are they responding? It has become a tricky situation to know how they're working together or not. During the first full week of the crisis, the governor and the mayor came together in a press conference talking about how they wanted unity in this going forward to make sure that they were focusing on helping Jackson residents first. There will be plenty of time in the future uh, to play the blame game, and, and y'all can do all of that you want to do. You can do it in real time if you want to, but I ain't got time for it. But then we saw the governor come forward and immediately start blaming city administration for not maintaining the city's water plant adequately. And then on the city side, they're saying that they have been putting forward plans 
constantly for the past several years, which should never get the funding they need. I've been saying that it's not a matter of if our system would fail, but when our system would fail. Is the city providing people with water or with other types of aid? The city has been providing people with water for a while now. It's something that they've been doing under an EPA order at fire stations across the area. And now the state has also stepped in to help with this issue from our Mississippi Emergency Management Agency and our state National Guard, as well as partners at, for instance, our Department of Agriculture and Commerce. And so with all of these entities coming together, they have been able to drastically step up water distribution efforts. I think the governor mentioned the other day it was surpassing five million bottles of water passed out within a week. And so with all of that, people are getting the water they need right now. But this is something that has been an issue for so long that people have just gotten used to buying their own water in grocery stores. Some people spend maybe $25 a week if they live alone. But I've heard families spend maybe like $100 per week just on water for their children. People are fed up. I honestly don't even want to bathe my baby in Jackson's water. It's sad. Um, And I can't even afford to move out of Jackson, so I have to stay here and deal with this. If I had been living like this for years and I knew that It was in part because the state wouldn't help me. I'd be furious. Have you talked to anybody who's angry? People are pissed, I think it's fair to say. This is something that they have, to a degree, come to live with, come to learn how to live with, but they are not happy about it. Some people are questioning if they want to pay their water bills. Why would you want to pay your water bill if you can't drink the water and sometimes you don't have water coming out of your taps? It becomes a very regressive cycle. And so people are just really heavily frustrated. They are appreciative of all the work that's being done to try to get the water pressure back online and then get that drinkable again. They're appreciative of the state stepping in and the federal government at this point. And they're appreciative of the national conversation that's ongoing now about Jackson. But it's just a matter of time until this happens again, unless something drastic happens and a lot of the systems are updated, more workers are added in Jackson, and residents are insured that they're going to have water in their homes for a longer period of time. Where do things stand today with the water? Currently, residents in Jackson do have water pressure. It is tentative because the systems are still very fragile, but they do have water. They cannot drink it. Under the guidance of the Department of Health in Mississippi, they were lowering their standards of water output so they could just meet the pressure demands of the city. Now they are currently working towards making sure that water is drinkable. And so currently residents are advised to not drink the water, not even brush their teeth with the water, although they can technically boil it if they need water to drink in their homes. Support for Today Explained comes from How I Built This, which comes from Wondery. Behind every successful business is a story. Some of them are, in fact, kind of surprising. On the podcast How I Built This, host Guy Raz talks to founders behind the world's biggest companies to figure out how they did what they did. For example, Shobani's first yogurt factory, you won't believe where it was discovered. 
And the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. It does. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt, failure, clarity, overcoming setbacks. How I Built This is all about innovation and creativity from some of the biggest names in the business. You can follow How I Built This wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now on Wondery+. Plus. And for more business content such as this, you can listen on Wondery. With shows like How I Built This, Business Wars, and many more, Wondery means business. Support for Today Explained comes from Indeed. Hiring can be difficult. You can hope and pray and ruminate on how to find the perfect candidate, or you can turn to something more reliable, a smart piece of technology like Indeed's matching engine. According to Indeed, that matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences for job candidates, so it becomes more accurate over time. The more you use it, the better it gets. Indeed also lets you ditch some of the busy work, scheduling, screening, messaging. According to Indeed data, they have over 350 million global monthly visitors. They also did a survey that showed 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Listeners of Today Explained will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Today Explained. You can go to Indeed.com slash Today Explained. Let them know you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Today Explained. Terms and conditions do apply. Need to hire? Asks Indeed. You need Indeed. I have described Jackson as the poster child of the infrastructure challenges that we see in this country. It's Today Explained. Darren Olson is a water resources engineer based in Illinois. He is also a member of the American Society of Civil Engineers, where he vice chairs a committee that grades U.S. infrastructure like a report card. Now, the last one was released in 2021. Out of 17 categories, the U.S. got 11 Ds, 4 Cs, 2 Bs. All of that adds up to 17, so no As. Our national average? We got an overall grade of C minus, not something that you would want to bring home to to your parents or you'd want your child to bring home to you. Can I ask what went through your head when you started reading about the water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi? Well, it's while it made frontline news um, these past few weeks, it's really not all that surprising that something like that can happen. You know, they're they're dealing with a horrible crisis down in in Jackson, where you know nearly one hundred fifty thousand people. Uh, as of a few days ago, we're still without water. Um, but, you know, throughout the country, um, there is a water crisis. And even here in Illinois, we've got a community, uh, Dixmore, um, that as of today uh, is out of water as well. They're, they have to get bottled water because they don't, they've had too many water main breaks um, and they, they aren't able to deliver water to their residents. So um, while it's making frontline news right now, um, it's really not all that surprising. Were the mechanics of what happened in Jackson immediately understandable to you? Was it something where you said, oh, dear, this is very confusing, or something where you said, oh, dear, this again? You know, a little combination of of both, and I think that's what we're going to start seeing is that there is definitely a water infrastructure problem in the United States. Thousands of New Jersey residents are stocking up on bottled water after tests indicated water filters may not be protecting residents against elevated levels of lead. 
WSSC tells us there have been 365 water main breaks in our area this month alone. An alarming new report says more than 900,000 Californians do not have access to clean drinking water. More than 65% of the failing water systems are located in low-income communities, mostly in the Central Valley. We have aging pipes and we have aging treatment plants that are beyond their, their useful life. You know, here in Chicago, we, uh, for a while, were replacing water mains that were literally made of wood. We are replacing uh, water mains that were installed when President Roosevelt was in office. Uh, that's Theodore uh, Roosevelt. They were over 100 years old and uh, way beyond their useful life. Served, served us well, those, those trees did. That's one part of, of the problem, and, and that's the part of the problem I think we, we understand a little bit more. But the part that's a little bit new is this climate change aspect to it. And so we've got this kind of a double whammy situation where we have aging water infrastructure that is now up against more severe storms, more drastic droughts. So that is the new part that is, I think is compounding the, the existing infrastructure crisis that we have. Why does climate change and the flooding that accompanies it, why does that matter? A pipe is meant to carry water. Why does it matter if it's carrying more water or less water? I always relate water to something that's more, even more understandable to people, which is, is traffic, right? And so you can envision, you know, if you know, roads that were built 50, 60, even 100 years ago, they were meant to carry a certain type of vehicle and a certain amount of vehicles. Those roads need to get increased in, in both in, in lanes and in length. Um, when we start talking about how many people are, are driving in the United States right now, water is a similar situation. And with the roads, you know, if you don't um, make them wider with more lanes, you obviously have horrific traffic issues. With water, it's the same thing. It's, it's a the pipes that were built 100 years ago and installed 100 years ago, they were meant for a certain type of climate that we were seeing then and, and were you know, based on the standards of that time, both of those have changed dramatically. The pipes that we put in the ground 50 years ago are simply not meant to handle what we're experiencing now. And not to mention the fact that they all have a lifespan, just like every piece of infrastructure has a certain lifespan to it. And we are now exceeding the lifespan of much of the water infrastructure that is underground. How much water infrastructure is there in the U.S.? So in, in the United States, they estimate there, that there's about 2.2 million miles of water main. It is generally, when you start talking about you know, how much of this you can replace you know, in a given year, you know, in 2020, it, it's estimated that about 12,000 miles of pipe were replaced. So that's less than 1% of the total amount of pipe that's in the ground that was able to be replaced in, in 2020. So you think about how many years it's going to take for us to upgrade all of this water infrastructure. Um, it's, it's really significant. Why are we not handling it now? Is it that the money doesn't exist? Yes. You know, it, it is really, it's expensive to replace this infrastructure. And, you know, this water infrastructure is a little bit different than than roads and bridges in that, you know, way back when, when this water infrastructure was put in place, much of it was federally funded. Back in the you know, 60s, 70s with the Clean Water Act, there was a huge federal 
boost of money that was put in to try to achieve the goals of the Clean Water Act. Since then, the funding responsibility has shifted dramatically. So that it has shifted from the federal side to really the local side. And you know, when you talk about cities like Jackson, that water infrastructure that's in place, that is their responsibility to fix. And, and the funding generally has to come from, from the municipality. And they can certainly get loans and, there, and there's ways to try to finance that. But to replace the, that infrastructure that was originally put in, it is, it's on them and it's under roads. And you can imagine you know, how expensive it is to, to tear up you know, the surface of the road, dig down you know, five, six, sometimes 10 feet down, pull out this you know, large pipe out of the ground that's in deteriorating condition, put a new one back in, put all that material back, put those other utilities back, and then repave the road. When you explain it like that, I mean, just to do it for a block seems exhausting. And think about doing it for, you know, 2.2 million miles of pipe. Uh, and so this is something that, that when the state uh, joined me and shared that they would be bringing in uh, resources, bringing in a team to support us, we welcomed that with open arms because we've been saying that we needed the support. We've been saying that we need resources. So, Darren, all of this comes down to what? What it comes down to is a lack of prioritization and a, a lack of funding to keep up this infrastructure. This is due to uh, decades, uh, decades and decades mm-hmm. of possibly 30 years or more of deferred maintenance, a lack of capital improvements made to the system, uh, a lack of a, a human capital or workforce plan. Uh, that that accounted for the challenges that our water treatment facility suffers from. This infrastructure is very valuable. And for so many years, we have not prioritized maintaining those to the point now where, you know, we're looking at um, over the next 10 years needing $2.6 trillion to get us from where we're at now, which is a C minus as an overall grade for our infrastructure up to a B. Are we, as a nation, taking money away from infrastructure, from roads and bridges and aviation and water, and diverting it toward other stuff? Well, certainly there's a, a, a fixed pool of resources, and there are certainly many, many needs. I think what we're trying to do is, um, and one of the things that, that has occurred recently with the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, is to try to let our elected officials know, and they got the message, and you know they passed that one point two trillion dollar bipartisan infrastructure that actually brought in you know five hundred and fifty billion dollars of new spending. It's a once in a generation investment in America, unlike anything we've seen or done since we built the interstate highway system and the space race decades ago. It's not going to solve our infrastructure problem. Um, and it's, a fraction of what we need, but it is really a move in the right direction. But it's a fraction of what we need? It is a fraction of what we need. That's how big that infrastructure gap is. Um, it, that is a fraction of what we need. And we have an opportunity, you know, whether it's the, the engineers or our elected officials, we can start to plan better for things like climate change and to make sure that whether it's our electric grid or our 
water mains or our levees or our ports, that they are built more resilient. And finally, we can use things like technology to track these 2.2 million miles of water main. Um, we're, We're able to start to understand where our weak points are, you know, how those weak points intersect with communities um, that may be underserved. So we're able to prioritize um, from both an infrastructure perspective, but also for, um, you know, the need of of the population, um, where to invest our dollars first and where we're going to get the highest return on, on that investment. What are the consequences for this country if we keep on with the mediocre slash disastrous grades? Do you do you have nightmares about flooding or do you envision flooding being like a like a minor consequence of where we stand right now? Well, I'm a water resources engineer, so I have nightmares about flooding all the time. (laughs) 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 Um, But you know what? The, The that is one part of the of the consequence. You know, we will see more things like Jackson, Mississippi. We're going to see more headlines, you know, out west um, with, um, you know, whole uh, towns or um, states running out of water. Um, But there's also the economic side of it as well. Every year, this is costing the American households over $3,000 in hidden costs for our poor infrastructure. Um, whether that is having to fix tires because the roads are in such poor condition that you blew a tire, if it's having to buy bottled water, um, maybe it's your the electric grid went down, um, and so your refrigerator uh, shut down, and, and you have to you know, buy new food. These are real costs for the American people, um, and it's also f- um, costing businesses as well. And we don't want to have to wait for a, a bridge collapse or a whole city needing to boil its water for the focus of you know, our elected officials to be on maintaining our infrastructure and investing in our infrastructure. Um, and too many times, especially with the water system, whether it's a sanitary pipe or a, a drinking water pipe, it's it's out of sight and out of mind for 99% of our population, it's then becomes difficult to to try to convince people that that they need to invest in that when they're when they're not seeing it every day. Today's show was produced by Jillian Weinberger and Amanda Llewellyn with assists from Victoria Chamberlain and Tori Dominguez. It was edited by Matthew Collette. It was fact checked by Serena Solis, and it was engineered by Paul Robert Mounsey. Is today explained? I'm Noelle King.